I think that it's a fallacy to say you can do everything well all the time. And so I think that one of the things I'm most proud of is that I stepped out and then I stepped back in. I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin. We've run into so many questions over the years and had so many moments where we needed advice and we got it from women who'd been there. And that's what we're bringing you with this show. Each week, we're helping you get what you want out of your career by talking to the smartest leaders we know. Because we know your work life is a lot more than nine to five. All right, let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Today, our guest is Amy Griffin, the founder and managing partner of G9 Ventures. G9 invests in early stage startups focused on supporting companies that empower consumers to live, look, and feel better. And she's invested in businesses you have probably heard of, like Bumble, Goop, and Athletic Greens. In addition to her work at G9, Amy's also held board positions for philanthropic and educational institutions, including the Boys Club of New York and the Virginia Athletics Foundation. Amy, welcome to 9 to 5-ish. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be with you all today. We have been waiting to to do this interview for a while and really excited to kind of dig into the Amy behind G9. And the first lightning round question I have is, why is it called G9? Uh, That's a fun story. You think it's this, uh, you know, investment firm G9. It feels very formal. But in actuality, my middle name growing up, I'm Amy Janine, and my name is spelled G9. And as a child, I could never remember that there were two N's in the middle. So my grandmother would always say to me, Amy, it's G9, G9. That's how you remember it. And so in the spirit of supporting women and uh, being a part of women growing their companies and bringing women to the forefront, it just felt very natural and kind of hit me like a it was like a lightning rod when I said, I've got to do, it's got to be called G9. And it was actually kind of a chuckle under the table because it just made sense. I love that. Where's your favorite place to travel? Uh, New Zealand. I love the country of New Zealand. I love everything about the country of New Zealand. Not how long it takes to get oh, there. That was the worst jet lag I've ever had in my life. Do you have any tips? Yes. You got to stay up past 8 p.m. on the first night that you get there to New Zealand. And on the way home, you just got to suffer, suffer, suffer. And no matter what you say, it's that old saying that it takes an hour for every hour that you're off the time zone. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. I remember not being able to keep my eyes open past like 6.30 p.m. that first night, just like Mm -hmm. falling off a stool. It's 8 p.m. is the magical moment. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Oh, night owl for sure. Never a morning person. Actually found a letter recently from a camp counselor who said, I cannot get her out of bed. I cannot get her to (laughs) breakfast in the morning. And I was so ashamed of myself, but definitely like best ideas come middle of the night, you know, getting everything done in the middle of the night, usually past 11, sadly. So one of the things that you told me when I first met you is that you're really into birthdays. You remember everybody's Mm. birthday and like, just, you know, Mm. tell you my birthday and like, tell me my favorite dessert and it will (laughs) be there. And you have proven that to be true. And I've seen on Instagram, you prove that true to all your friends. So what is your favorite thing to do on your birthday? 
Oh my gosh. You know what? I've tried, this is a really interesting parenting tip. And then I've tried to actually downplay birthdays. And this is attributed to my incredible mother who made every birthday. It was like the world was ending on your birthday. You had a birthday candle in the pancake. You had some pizza delivered. She'd bring it for lunch. And then there was the celebration at night. And so I remember getting to college and thinking, oh my gosh, like I have a test tomorrow. I, I can't take that test. I, it's my birthday. Like, shouldn't I go tell the professor? <laughs> And so I think I've given my kids tough love around birthdays. Not really. But no, my mom did such an incredible job around birthdays that I, on my birthday, the most important thing to me is that I have white box cake with white, you know, Duncan Hines ice cream. Ice cream. And it, it cannot be anything fancy. It has got to be a box cake. And that's because my grandfather, who's still alive at 95, always said there's nothing better in life than a cup of coffee and a good white sheet cake. I, I agree. agree with that. I hate fancy cake. Never put anything in but any layers in between. Just no, plain. simple. You're also switching gears. I was talking about cake. You're an athlete. What's your favorite sport to play? I love to watch tennis. I think it's the most incredible sport. The fact that people get out there and do it solo is mind blowing to me that they can be on a court, which is why I love to play doubles. And I played volleyball in college and loved being part of a team. But I would say that I absolutely love to swim. It provides so much clarity and time for myself and is a real time for me to recharge. I think one of the big vows that I had for myself during COVID was to learn to perfect my flip turn. So I did that. I've never little, been able to do the things. flip turn. You can teach me. I just can't do it. For months during COVID. That was my COVID um, highlight. I, I really have never been able to do it. I'm a good swimmer otherwise. What's something you've learned about yourself recently? I would say in the last few years, maybe COVID has helped me learn to be more patient with myself and better to myself. And I think it was really the first time for a lot of people, I know for myself, that I sat down and said, okay, I'm quiet. What what do I actually need? It's the first time that I, I listened for myself. What is something that you do before taking on a big challenge? I take a bath, a really hot bath, <laughs> always, without fail. That's a great answer. I like that. What would you say is the key to effective collaboration among colleagues? Well, I think partnership is the heart of, is at the heart of everything. I mean, it's everything I do both in friendship and in business and they somehow get intertwined. And I don't know that I do a good job of keeping them separate. You know, I hear Diane von Furstenberg oddly talk about it a lot. And I, I like to try to do this every day. Just find a couple of people when I'm thinking of someone and I can connect them to someone or I can make their life better or I can make their business run more efficiently. I get a high from making those connections. And so I think that you know, it's the same principle that I try to teach my kids. I don't know if you all have also read Dr. Becky Kennedy, who's incredible. If you haven't had her on your, on your podcast, she's amazing. And I think the same principles that Becky talks about in raising kids are also so applicable to what I do every day in business. So it's the same thing in the way that I'm trying to get the most out of my kids in the morning to get them up and get them dressed to get them to school is oftentimes how I feel about a founder in terms of just simplifying things in a business model or a marketing plan and saying like, okay, how are we going to achieve this? It's the same thing as saying to my 10-year-old, you got to put your shoes on, but your socks have to go on first, right? All right. Before we get into the meat of our combo, I have one very important lightning round question that I've been wanting yes. to ask you for a long time. I once went to your house, you had these candles that smelled so good. <laughs> what is the scent of your candles? Okay. I'm not going to remember the name of the brand right now, but it's, I think it's oddly, it's bamboo. It's okay. bamboo. Cool. 
I need bamboo. And I'll candle. find the name of the candle. I'm sure it's a goop candle. I'll it find it. It smelled really good. It. I'm <laughs> okay. glad you remember it. See, I do try it to provide experiences so and I love making people happy. You, so that's a positive that you left remembering a smell at my house. You are great at <laughs> curating experiences. So let's let's go back and start when you were in college. You were a volleyball player and you were on a full athletic scholarship at UVA. I think what's so interesting about student athletes is just this foundation that they have. How do you think that that led or did it lead into how you approach your career and kind of your life overall? I mean, I always say it's everything because if you think of the skill set one has to have to be a college athlete and the back and forth and the, you know, they're missing a lot of school and you're having a million things thrown at you all the time. And so I felt like if you can survive being a college athlete, then you can really survive at any job. So when you look to hire for people, it's always a great thing to look at people who've been athletes or who've juggled multiple things from having a job in college while being in school or just having that multitasking was, was really important. So when preparing for this, I also loved learning about your family's business. Can you tell people listening about it? The Toot and Totem Food Stores, which is a huge part of my life. It's the beginning. It's the everything. And I'm so proud to know, just to, to say that my story starts with my grandmother, who was a single mother. And like I said earlier, when I said it takes a village and you kind of, you can't do everything alone. My great aunt moved in with my grandmother and helped raise my father and his two siblings so that my grandmother could create the businesses that she did. And she really, I mean, she's the original, and now I've never said this before. My grandmother is the original venture capitalist. Here she was in the 1950s in a small town in Texas, in a place where women were not working. And most women were not working. They were, you know, working in the home. And she said, we need a, a fancy, we need a lighting business, a chandelier business. Okay, poof, let me create that. We need a wedding registry business, which still exists today. So we need that check, done that. And then she said, you know what? We need a convenience store. We need a place to be able to go and buy bread and milk and get gas. And we need one that's closer to home. So she started that. And uh, I think by the time my dad was running it, there were 23 stores, had all founded by my grandmother. What was your grandmother's name? Her name was Novi. Novi Woods. I had two really incredible grandmothers and it was a grandmother from the other side. My grandmother on the other side was named Janine. So I had this powerful force around women that that really gave me my start. So now the community store chain is now still family owned and run by my family. And it's an incredible business run by, by my brothers and my dad. I love that so much. I love that. So after college, you were in New York City. You were working in marketing in a magazine. And then you made the decision to leave the workforce for a time and, and raise your, your four children and take on philanthropy full-time. Talk to us a little bit about that turning point for you where, because, you know, when I look at sort of the trajectory of, of what got you to where you are today, like that's a real moment where for many, it would be like, well, is that when they leave the workforce altogether? And you didn't. And so I, I really want you to kind of put us in where you were at that point in your life. You know, I was so young when I did that too. I look back at it and I wouldn't change anything. I met my husband who at the time, it was clear that I was going to be supporting his career. And I had the most incredible job. I was given amazing responsibility from a lot of amazing people, including an amazing woman, a woman named Blaze Cashin, who was at the time at, at Sports Illustrated. And she really took a chance on me and believed in me. And so at the time we were working on this Sports Illustrated sponsorship with the Sydney Olympics. And so I got to travel to Sydney and live there for, you know, multiple months and she took a real chance on me. And so I felt that I was just 
just really getting my feet wet. And, and I was traveling around the world and then got to work on another set of Olympics back in the States. And I did, I took a step back and I don't regret it for a second. And I remember as I stepped out saying, okay, I'm stepping out right now. And this is just not my moment. And I think the decision to step out was easy. And yet I can remember my husband saying, you know, if you decide you want to sit on the couch and eat bonbons, I'll love you. And if you decide you want to work a thousand hours a week, I'll support you and love you. And so that was also a big part of what made it so much easier when I had this big epiphany, what it was ever it was 10 years ago, oh, I'm stepping back in and I'm going to step back in in a really big way. I think what's so interesting about that moment that that you're talking about is the self-confidence and also the support. Mm. Because I think in my life, both personally and professionally, a lot of times there's such a like interwoven sense of identity with like, I am a mom, I am a businesswoman, I am a spouse. And when I see you, I'm like, well, Amy is one of the people that I know who like, Amy's Amy. Uh, like there's, mm. You just have like this bubbly sense of self and purpose. Were you able to kind of maintain that self-identity or was there a journey there? You know, I was talking about that with Becky Kennedy today about the idea that the skill set that that women have when they're in the workplace or not in the workplace, it's just the multitasking and to see all the work that women do behind the scenes and then be able to take on a job, or even if they are just managing their home and their children, there's just so much that goes into it. And I think that sometimes there is a loss of confidence about the skill sets needed to get back in the workplace or whatever they want to do. You know, for me to say, oh, I'm going full force, I'm going to go back in full force. It was a big deal for me. It took a lot of me believing in me. And then at the same time, also had people behind me that believed in me. So I knew that my husband believed in me and he said, okay, if this is what you want to do, then we'll make concessions. And we started trading off. There were times where, you know, he was taking the kids to the orthodontist and he was taking the kids to the doctor appointment when they were sick from school. And I'd say, I can't, I can't skip this meeting. And so I greatly value that. And also to say that for me to be able to do what I do, I recognize there's a lot of people behind me so that I could step back in and be in the office full time, right? I think that it's a fallacy to say you can do everything well all the time. And so I think that one of the things I'm most proud of is that I stepped out and then I stepped back in. I really want to underscore the confidence that that takes to step back in. There's a number of factors that can lead somebody to step back in. Obviously, one is financial, but another is, you know, you are entering a field of venture capital that really has had its moment, especially like, you know, in New York, like that wasn't your previous job. And obviously, you know, your husband is a very well-known person in the finance world, but like, this is you, this is your name. And I think one of the things that you've done remarkably well is distinguish yourself as what type of investor you are. And I'm curious how you figured out what you were really good at. Because I think mm. that's one of the really hard things for anybody, no matter where they're in their career, what their background is, is actually like, how do you find your, your own secret sauce? Gosh, that's, that's so kind. I would say that with my team, we sit and make lists and lists and lists. And we talk again and again and again about 
What are we good at? Where do we add value? Where can we fit into the chain of a venture capital? And I am a venture capitalist, but I, I approach it a very different way because I also go into it very open and honestly around the idea that I don't have a data team of a hundred people who are running numbers for me every day, but I have gone into it the way that I go into any relationship. And that is that what can I bring to the table? How can I show up for you? How can I prove to you that I'm going to be there for you when the chips are down or when you're doing well? How can I be the maybe the smallest investor on your cap table, but someone who you would always say, oh, I have to call Amy because she's going to be able to help me with X. And I think that's one of the biggest components of all of it was to really solidify where I add value and where also I'm not going to ever compete with the big tech investors. And I don't want to compete with the big tech investors. But again, but going back to my roots of being an athlete, of just saying, okay, I'm on this team. We all have to make each other better. The best person on the team and the worst person on the team, we're still on the team together. And so what can we do to move forward? I often say to my team, they'll say, how do you, how did you decide to make this decision? And then sometimes the answer is I've just had more at bats. I've just had more at bats with relationships. And so for me and with our team and with what I'm doing, everything is relationship-based. Everything is relationship-based. Obviously, there's a financial incentive for us to go in and we do our diligence. We do incredible amount of diligence, but a lot of it is based on relationships and how I am going to be able to help the business. So there are many times we'll look at businesses. Someone might say, you're going to make X amount of money if you go into this deal or what have you. And I might say, but I don't even, I wouldn't know how I add value. I don't even know how I'd help the founder. And then we're not going to be connected in the long run if this is a long run game. And we're going to be doing this for five or 10 years. How do you think about being there for founders when things don't go well? You know, it's the late night phone calls. It's the reassurance. It's the connecting them with someone who has been there before. I think the other thing is when a founder comes into you and says, I can do everything. I know how to do this, that, and the other, manage the budgets, the marketing, the hiring, the da 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 It actually worries me. I think it's when someone comes in who is incredibly honest and thoughtful about why they're having a specific problem that then I can help wrap some resources around it. And I think that was something for me that was the beauty of COVID in that I think for one of the first times, everyone said, okay, this is where we are and we need help. And I'm going to lay everything out on the table and then we're going to find a path forward. And I think that where we are in the markets right now, it's also a similar moment in time. And so it's, it's really nice now to have founders looking at their valuations, making sure that they have enough runway for 18 to 24 months, looking to really recognize how they can be profitable, how they can grow at a reasonable, with reasonable CACs and not have that be out of control. So I think there's sort of a real moment of honesty. And I think that there'll be a lot of great that comes from this moment in time. Yeah. One of the things we're asking all of our guests this season is to reflect on what's been challenging in their careers. What do you think is the hardest thing you've mm. had to go through in your job? Well, for sure. I mean, honestly, before the, the knowing that a question like this might come up, but for me, it's always being really honest and honest with your viewers to say, it's really hard to step back in. It's really hard to step back in and say, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be really clear about my objectives. I'm going to keep going back to my narrative and my story, which is that I'm going to help founders and I'm going to help be on their teams that when I don't know the answer to something, which by the way, I know nothing about nothing until I dive into it. And so just coming to that openly and honestly, I, I think that was hopefully a point of differentiation. And 
in terms of that being the hardest part of my career, the hardest part was literally to, to dive in and say, I'm doing this full time. And I'm doing this full time in an arena where you said my, you know, my husband's been in finance for a very long time. I have such great respect for him. He has a polar opposite perspective than I do and that he deals in public markets. And so we have great dialogue every single day around the table around brands and businesses and the things that I care about and his knowledge of the public markets. And it's been, it's been really fun. I want to give your husband a shout out because Danielle and I actually talk about this moment a lot. You threw an amazing conference this past summer for a lot of investors, female founders, just female business owners. It was it was really quite something. And thank you for coming. There were no men. It was all women. And there, <laughs> there were, were three. Well, there were three. There were three. That snuck but, their way in. Uh, one of them was your husband. He was allowed. And I will never forget. I was sitting in the back of the room. I had just come back from the restroom, and I didn't even realize I was sitting next to him. And I've never seen anybody like beaming so hard watching you have your moment in front of almost 200 people. Mm. And it was such an amazing moment of like watching a true partnership and watching somebody see their spouse make their dream come true. So one, like, congratulations to the two of you. Like, that was such a cool thing to witness. I think the other thing that was really apparent to us is we talk a lot about networking on this show. For a lot of people, it's really hard to do, and it's awkward and all the things. And when we think about you, like, I want to put you what you're really good at in the networking category, but it's the wrong name for it. For sure. I know. I agree. It's, it's, it feels slimy sometimes. Well, no, but I think that what we have seen you be really good at is, like, you connect people with the idea that like one plus one equals three, not just like, Hey, you should meet this person. Like Carly, I think you'd like Danielle, but it's like, Hey, if you guys connected, the two of you could make magic together. And I'm curious, like how your brain works in a day to day where you are spotting that. What are you seeing? Where does that come from? Gosh, that that's so nice. I would say, and going back to one of your earlier questions, which is when you can really figure out what the nuances are in your life that you do really well. And I think coming to that, I don't see that every day as, oh, that's what I'm good at. I, I had to spend a lot of time to recognize when people would say that that, that was what, what my superpower was. And I think that when something is your superpower, you sometimes think that everyone's good at that thing because that one thing comes easy to you. And so it's even more further proof that you should lean in to the things that come easy to you that make you feel good about your day, that make you feel good about how you walk through this world. And again, it applies to everything from parenting, friendship, work. I don't know. That's how I see the world. When I'm talking to my son's teacher and I think, oh my gosh, you should have the speaker come in because this founder of ours is really great. That's just how I see the world. I see the world in partnership. I see the world through people. And so that's why when I classified as a venture capitalist, I sort of see myself as a people connector. And it makes it, it's, it's really fun for me every day. On that note then, what do you think is the top mistake people make when trying to network? Uh, again, I don't think of it as the word networking and I don't really see it as any mistakes. I think just coming to anything with authenticity is the most important element. I try to think that when I make a connection for someone, I don't make a connection because there's a string attached for me. I get the win because I'm so happy that someone else is doing something good with this other person. And I think that people can see through that when you are trying to, you want something for yourself. And so if you're asking for help from someone or you're navigating, you know, getting a new job or an internship, it can't be, can you help me? It's let me help you. Let me tell you this idea that I think is good. Let me tell you why I think I can be valuable in your universe. And then that creates 
start to create a relationship because relationships after all, and trust me, this is something that I feel that I struggle with and I deal with every day, which is you have to remember that a relationship is two ways. So if you give something to someone else, they want to give it back. And unless you let them give it back to you, you're not really forming a relationship. You're just doing something for someone, right? So you have to really check yourself on that. There's something I've seen you do that we've actually never really talked about, but I think is really important when talking about your path is you as a mentor, you have an amazing person who works with you at G9. And I think that what we see often in the investor world and the VC world is that there's a lot of like, I'm the principal, I'm the lead. And then you kind of have this minion for, for better or worse that is like behind the scenes doing things. What I love about the model that you've presented is there is someone incredible who we've gotten to know as, as we've worked with you, but you also through what you do really open your network to someone else. I think that it's so important to showcase that because in my mind, it's an example of a woman leading, really supporting someone else in their career path. I guess, how do you view mentorship? And how do you view yourself as as a manager? Well, it goes back to the last question in that I feel that Anna, who is a much better, much smarter version of myself, she just is, younger, smarter, better, faster version of myself, I learn from her every single day. So I wouldn't be coming in here if it wasn't for my team that I get to come in every day and they present ideas to me and we talk about themes and we talk about people, we talk about what's happening in the world in different ways that we can support our founders and find you know new people to connect with and other founders that we're looking to invest in. But you know that's why we do what we do. Like I wouldn't be coming in here every day if we weren't trying to make a difference in the world by seeing the products and services and businesses that we invest in do great things in the world. And so there's this air of excitement every single day when I come to work. And Anna, who is, I consider her my, she is my partner. She is my partner in all this. And frankly, I would say I got really lucky. And when people ask me how I found Anna, I say it was a headhunter, which is great because there were no connections between the two of us. It just happened that she was the right person. And we are very much partners. And I think anyone who's played on a team in a team sport before recognizes that you also pick up where some where there's a weakness, you can fill a gap and a weakness and a strength, and you can build on those in each other. And that's the fun of coming to work every day. You get so much deal flow and, and pitches. What's a problem you really want to see solved? I see real opportunity and a huge problem that I try to wrap my head around every day in women's healthcare. And I do see some healthcare, mental health, access to affordable care problems within state lines of being able to access healthcare in every capacity. And so that's something that's kind of on my mind and something that I'd hope that in the next 10 years that coming out of COVID and, you know, in this moment, I mean, I see so many entrepreneurs solving for it and have actually tried to connect a lot of them to say, Hey, you guys are trying to create the same type of product. Let's try to put you all together. But that's something that I'm, I'm really excited about. So I want to go to a listener question that we got. This is from Lauren. Lauren wants to know, heading into an uncertain economic environment, what is your advice for female founders right now about how to prepare? I would say test, test, test your idea. 
test it on friends, test it on family members, then go a little bit further and sell it to your friends at school or, you know, sell it around the neighborhood. Because I think that sometimes, I think in the environment we were in before, people were diving in headfirst and throwing huge amounts of money at things that hadn't been pressure tested. And so I would say, use this moment in time as a real learning moment about yourself and your business model. And I would say, be just be conservative in this time and know who you are and know what your business is in this moment. Amy, last question is who else should we have on this show? Oh, that's a good one. Well, you should definitely have Becky Kennedy. It's a great idea. She's we have amazing. not had her on. I mean, there's so many great founders that I have. I could name 20 founders. You should also be talking to founders who are pivoting in this moment and really finding new ways to make their businesses work in this environment where it's, this is a tough moment. Amy, thank you so much. So much fun to talk to you today and love hearing your story. Oh, it's so nice. Congratulations to you too. You are the OGs of everything <laughs> news related. And I've been, I've been a huge fan for many, many years. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle. It's a really good account, I promise.